0: The The Bottom bottom Line line with with Brad Brad Taylor Taylor. on ESPN 1300 AM and 92.5 FM. ESPN Sports Radio 1300 and 92.5. Enough of something completely different. We're going
1: to bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line.
0: ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Saturday, Eight five nine three is this I have hit the door here? I have people barging in. What is this? Hello. Who are you? Who are you people walking in here? Well, it's the Kentucky Taste Buds over from KISS 96.9, and we wanted to congratulate you because we hear you beat the odds. And you have survived a year. I see what you did there with the pun. I see what you did with the pun. And this is Lee and Tam for the Taste Buzz 96.9. Thank you so much for barging in on my show. No big deal. But go ahead. And at least once or twice a week, you come into my office and say, how come you never bring me donuts? That's true. How come you never bring me donuts? So here you go.
1: We've got all all the
0: donuts you could ever ask for from Dunkin' Donuts. Well, that is very nice of you. To celebrate your one-year anniversary. Well, I appreciate that. Tell the fine people out there. Now, we're not your demographic here, us degenerate gamblers here on the bottom line. I, tell us okay. tell us about your show over on KISS. Yes, yeah, so we have Wake Up with the Buds. It's every Saturday from seven to ten. And we talk about everything good in Kentucky. And your show is one of the good things in Kentucky. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah. Why are why are you laughing back there, Kim? Come on, yeah, we got exactly, Kim in yeah. the house too. Kim, exactly. come up here and oh, say you hi. Pay, you people laugh. <laughs> Kim's Let's producing say. our show. She's fantastic. She also has her own show. Get up here, Kim. Yes, tell her about yes. your own show. If everybody else is going to prosper, why why not you? There you go. You guys can catch me tomorrow, noon, right after gospel. I'm going to turn it up. Amen. There you go. There you go. Ladies, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. And noticing that I had my one-year anniversary today, I appreciate it. We're so proud of you. Well, I know you guys have been on a lot longer than me, and and you're (laughs) a lot bigger than I am. Yeah, we're total
1: pros. Well,
0: exactly. (laughs) We're all total pros around here. Thank you all so much. Thank you, guys. And everybody can follow us at ky tastebuds.com. Absolutely. They're the best. God bless you. Thank you so much for the donuts. Good luck, That's Lee and Tam and Kim from the Taste Buds over Bye. on KISS 96.9. Thank you very much. You can close the door behind you if you leave. That's no big deal. Thanks for the donuts, but close the door on your way out. Yeah, no biggie. So much for the interruptions here on the bottom line on our one-year anniversary show, 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call in and join in on the conversation, email the show, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Before I was so rudely interrupted, on today's show, this is our one-year anniversary here on the bottom line. And uh, our first guest on our first show, John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader, he's kind enough to join us about 9.30 today. We'll talk to him about all things sports and he will express his regrets for helping us get this show in the first place. Too late now, John Clay. The fire's lit. Burn, baby, burn. The Reds get back on track uh, on a winning track last night. NBA season's over, and if you listen to us, you're probably uh, car shopping this morning. And, of course, our college football handicapping knowledge continues this week. A couple of weeks ago, we went over the best coaches in college football against the point spread. Today, the worst coaches in college football against the point spread. One of them, a classic underachiever. Another one, faces Kentucky this season. Good news for the Big Blue Nation. And, of course, that's part of our most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stuggy Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. With a couple of Major League Baseball underdogs we think should be favored today. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of The Bottom Line. As always, we thank you for joining us. But first, July 19th, 2020. Well... We have fooled everyone here at ESPN Radio for over a year now, and we're beginning our second year on this show today. And uh, we want to thank everyone for allowing us to come on the radio and talk about what we talk about here. Life's about taking risks, both on this show and in life. And uh, the good people here at LM Communications took a big risk by letting us come on and do our thing. So we're grateful to Lynn Martin and Craig Olive and the rest of the gang here that allow us to be on the air. But on this date last year, the date of our first show, July nineteenth, 2020, No sports were taking place at all. Heck, the world wasn't even taking place. The USA had just set a record for COVID-positive tests, including there was a county in Texas where 85 children under the age of two had tested positive in one day. People were getting used to just wearing masks. People were getting sued over not wearing masks. And in fact, many people were wondering if any sports would be able to complete a season in the next calendar year, but somehow we sit here a year later and every major sport has crowned a champion in the last 12 months. It didn't go as smoothly as it had before, but when there's big money at stake, it's amazing how far these leagues will go to keep the money flowing. It's, yeah, it's incredible how that happens. But this show is sports talk from a handicapping perspective. It's not the Go Big Blue show, or we don't refer to Kentucky teams as us or we, and we don't spend hours trying to predict where 15-year-old high school kids are going to play basketball 40 months from now. You think we're exaggerating, but we're not. We talk about cash and tickets in the desert today. We can't worry about tomorrow. We're worried about today. So, which local teams were the best and worst to our bankrolls since the COVID changed the world and our show began last July? First team to start was the Reds. They started on July 24th. Since then, overall, including playoffs and everything, they're 81 and 78. It's pretty good, including 50 and 47 this year. But they have lost you money in the desert with a negative. 2.5% 2.5 percent return on investment. Then the Bengals started. The Bengals went four, 11, and one in their season last year, but they made you money out in the desert. They went nine and seven against the spread. 7.1 percent return on investment. Why? Nobody expected anything from them. So anything they did, they did was good. Then we start with UK sports. UK football last year. five and six straight up, four, six and one against the spread. 21.6% return on investment. And, of course, UK basketball. If you invested in them last year, you're eating ramen noodles every day of the week right now. 9-16, 7-16-2 against the spread. Minus 37.9% return on investment. So if you're a devoted member of the Big Blue Nation, uh, your bankroll is not as big this year as it was last year, unless you added to it in other ways. Because if you... Put $1 on U.K. football and basketball every time they played. You went 11, 22, and 3 against the spread. 33%. That's awful. In other words, if you faded them or bet against them, you hit 67%. And on this show, we kind of uh, told you to do that quite often. So the four local teams in the last year, Reds, Bengals, U.K. football, U.K. basketball, the Bengals were the best investment out in the desert. It's amazing how that works. Ah, we should have been on this team. Should have been on... Well, the Bengals were the only team that made you money. And they were the only team that didn't have your blood pressure through the roof from having to eat those ramen noodles seven days a week. Will that continue this year? Well, as far as UK football and basketball, it can't get much worse. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Ah, there's nothing that says summertime in the South. Like SEC football media days. Nick Saban with his uh, bottle of Coca-Cola on the podium and telling us that Alabama is rebuilding. He literally said that this week. Alabama's rebuilding. Okay, whatever. How are you ranked number one then? And the uh, favorite out in the desert. Yeah. Every other coach, though, says Alabama's the best team ever. Yeah, they're closer to the truth. You know the usual song and dance. But other than the Texas and Oklahoma buzz about joining the SEC, we'll talk about that with John Clay later in the show. Something did catch our eye for these SEC football media days. In the SEC media poll, Georgia, the runaway choice to win the SEC East, Florida second, Kentucky was third. Huh. That's exactly the order that Phil Steele has in his preseason magazine, which basically you can just use that as a template for all of these media conference polls in the preseason. By the way, we got a lot of positive feedback on our show last week from that Phil Steele interview. If you missed it, You can go to our website, WLXG.com, check out his views on Kentucky football. We touched on every SEC team and the college football playoff. But the SEC media poll fell in line exactly with what Phil Steele had in his preseason magazine. Isn't that amazing how that happens? But Kentucky finished third in that poll and even got a vote to win the SEC championship game. Uh Uh-huh. Come to find out that two of the voters in that poll were associated with with the three-letter fanboy show across town, do you think one of them was guilty of that heinous crime of predicting UK football would win the SEC this year? Uh-huh. I think they were. I could spell blatant and misguided Homerism from across the street any time, but that's okay. South Carolina got a vote to win the SEC, too. So Lexington isn't the only place where Homerism and Homers exist. But seriously, how can you honestly vote for Kentucky or South Carolina to win the SEC East, or just the SEC overall in football? It's kind of like the Sports Illustrated Arizona theory we went over last week. And you know what? We're talking about it today, so those guys accomplished their goal. The all-SEC teams were also voted on, and there's no mention of a Kentucky quarterback among the first three teams. Another shocker. That's okay. Bo Nix is third team, and his numbers were terrible last year. I'm sure Joey Gatewood, who had to transfer out of Auburn because he wasn't getting to uh he wasn't going to displace a legacy quarterback whose dad started for Auburn a generation ago. I'm sure he didn't agree with that vote, but another year of the SEC media football days have come and gone. And did we learn anything other than Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC and just hearing a bunch of coaching cliches? Eh, not really. But now we get ready for the real college football season in about a month. We love that here on the bottom line. And despite every single media type that comes on this show proclaiming Kentucky is a lock to win more than seven games this year, how come that line doesn't change out in the desert? That's the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. The Reds pulled out a win last night winning 6-5 to five over the Cardinals. A game they closed as a really big, minus-150 favorite. The bullpen tried their darndest once again to give away a uh, game that they had in the bag before they settled down and got to Heath Hembry in the ninth inning. Heath Hembry now his sixth save in the month of July. A perfect ninth inning with three strikeouts. What bullpen issues? What are you talking about? Why are you talking about that? this bullpen's terrible? No way. This bullpen's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, this bullpen is still 29th best in the major leagues in ERA. That's out of 30 teams, but who's counting? One night, it cures everything. So the Reds, after last night, improved to 2-5 and five since the All-Star break. Now sitting at 50-47 and 47 on the season. Six and a half games behind the Brewers in the National League Central. Also six and a half games behind the Padres in the wild card race. Our friends in the desert this morning say the Reds now have a 9% chance of winning the division and a 14% chance of making the wild card. We were looking at 25 and 33% before the All-Star break uh, ended last week. That's how much a 2-5 and five record since the break is done to the chances for this team eight days ago. Eight days ago, they had some hope. Today, not as much, even with that win last night. But today, at Great America Ballpark, in a game that can be heard right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5 at 640. Later today, game two of this three-game series between the Cardinals and Reds, Jake Woodford pitches for the Cardinals. He's 2-1 and one with a 4.06 ERA. And our good friend Luis Castillo, who seemingly pitches every weekend because we talk about him every weekend. Castillo pitches for the Reds today, 3-10, 4.39 ERA. Jake Woodford sounds like a soap opera hero character, you know? You know, the kind of guy that ruins diabolical plans for guys like Stefano Demira, who is our all-time favorite. I would have gotten away for, with it if it wasn't for that Jake Woodford. You know, that's a great name. Anyway, we don't have a lot of data on Woodford. This is his third career start. His last start was a win versus the Cubs last week, where he gave up one earned run in five and two-thirds innings with six strikeouts. But this is a bad spot for the Cardinals this season. The Cardinals 13-25 and 25 when they're a road underdog. and That's what they are today. That's a return on investment minus 21.6%. That's among the worst in Major League Baseball this year, just behind teams like the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, who both have been historically bad on the road this season. But our old pal Luis Castillo tries again for the Reds today. No pitcher has started more games this season than Castillo's 20. today will be number 21, and no pitcher in the National League has lost more games than Castillo's 10. But even with that lousy three and 10 record, an even lousier start to the season, Castillo's ERA plus now is 107 for the season, which means for the entire season, he's seven percent better than an average pitcher, and that is absolutely saying something after what he did the first two months of the season, when he was the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball at one point. It's easy to see the line of demarcation for Castillo this year. First 10 starts, 7.61 ERA in 47 innings. Last 10 starts, 1.91 ERA in 61 innings. Easy to say and easy to see when this thing started well for him and when it was going bad for him. But even with how good Castillo has been during his last 10 starts, the Reds still aren't winning when he takes them out. The Reds are 6-14 and when Castillo starts. Oh, that's changed when he's been better the last 10 starts. No, not really. The Reds are 5-5 and in these last 10 games when Castillo has been outstanding. And out in the desert, there's only been one pitcher all year who lost you more money to his loyal investors than Castillo's Minus forty point six percent return on investment, and that's a guy named JT Brubaker of the Lowly Pirates. Brubaker, there's another soap opera name for you. Castillo, a home favorite today. That's not the best spot for him in his career because the Reds are twenty three and twenty lifetime when Castillo starts as a home favorite, including three and four this year. That's a negative eight point seven return on investment lifetime. Castillo has faced the Cardinals three times this year. 1-2, 8.16 ERA. But remember, two of those starts were in April when Castillo was the worst pitcher in the league. Things have changed since April. But this is a very average and mediocre start for the Reds, uh, a spot for the Reds. When the Reds are a home favorite this season, they're 22-16. and 16. If you put $1 on the Reds every time they're a home favorite this year, you'd be up 2 cents. Uh Uh-huh, I've got two cents for you right here, pal. Exactly. The Reds are a huge 180, minus 180 favorite today over the Cards. Total nine and a half. Castillo's hot streak, along with soap opera hero Jake Woodruff, making only his third career start. Those are the contributing factors to this line being so heavily on the Red side. Cardinals used the entire back end of their bullpen last night, except their closer, Alex Reyes. And the Reds used their entire bullpen, except Amir Garrett, Advantage Cardinals, we know that for sure. If you're playing this game today, it's Cardinals and nobody. The Cardinals have the value because I don't care who's pitching and how well they're pitching for the Reds. The Reds should not be a minus 180 over the Cardinals. I'm sorry, they just shouldn't. If you take the Reds today and cash your ticket, congratulations, but we won't be with you. And that's the bottom line, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, we know why you're here. You're not being friendly, you just want our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Boy, I've heard this song somewhere before. Record player in my bedroom way back when. Yeah. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk with a handicapping perspective. Had one of these donuts during the commercial that the uh, Taste Buds brought in. You know, I probably should have had them eat one in front of me just to make sure they weren't laced with something. I just, I don't, I don't trust anybody around here. Got to look out. Got to make sure this wasn't some kind of setup for the sabotage this show. But nobody can sabotage our picks. And it's time for the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate cashing a ticket out in the desert? Do what we do and have a Mac Daddy Stogie down at Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com, and go see our friends Jake and Autumn. Tell them the bottom line sent you, and you'll get their VIP treatment, jakesigarbar.com The NBA season ended this week. Milwaukee Bucks, your NBA champions. Did you have that before the playoffs? Uh, we didn't, so yeah, if you did, hey, props to you. Bucks won game six as a favorite. What a shocker. And they covered the spread to another shocker. That made the favorites 5-1, and one. Straight up and against the spread in this series. And if you did what we asked you, excuse me, begged you to do all throughout the NBA playoffs, you went 54-37 and 37 against the spread. We only yelled it from the mountaintops for two months on this show. So if you missed out, on that's on you. If you didn't miss out, uh, make sure to splurge on a good car when you're shopping this morning. Odds already out for next year's NBA. Nets favored 2-1. to one. Lakers always overvalued. They're 6-1. Uh yeah, want to make a terrible bet? Just bet the Lakers win it all. Bucks plus eight fifty to repeat. Phoenix plus twelve hundred. And the Nets. Why would you want to bet on the Nets to win at two to one right now? There's so much self destruction there. Good luck with that. NBA draft always a good uh, uh, investing opportunity. Sneaks up on us this week. Cade Cunningham minus six thousand to go number one. Yeah, good luck being a bridge jumper with that. But the Big Blue Nation, the desert has said the number at. Eighteen and a half for Isaiah Jackson is where he's going in the draft. Either over or under eighteen and a half in the draft. And BJ Boston, where does the desert have him? Thirty-seven and a half. That's the second round. This time a year ago, that number would have probably been about two and a half or three and a half. He was a top three pick. It's a shame. It's also a shame he missed out on the NIL stuff. Timing is everything. But good luck to those kids. Major League Baseball tonight. Favorites went ten and four. That's why I'm not very happy today. But uh, we have two live dogs that we think are the wrong teams are favored in this one. Uh, first of all, Toronto is at New York. Toronto is a favorite in this one. Ryu pitching for Toronto. But Taiwan Walker pitching for the Mets. Taiwan Walker's been the better pitcher this year than Ryu. And the Mets are the better team overall. They're at home. Why is Toronto favored in this one? We'll take the Mets. Getting a little uh, little extra added bonus today. We'll take the Mets. We think the wrong team's favored in this one. They're a plus 105 dog in this one. And the Tigers and the Royals. Another case where the best pitcher is not getting the proper uh, publicity and the proper respect. Casey Mize goes for the Tigers. He's 5 and 5, 3.44 ERA. Carlos Hernandez for the Royals, 4.91 ERA on the season. Better pitcher, Tigers. Better team on the season, Tigers. Give us Detroit on the road at Kansas City. Kansas City's favored. Give us Detroit. There's your two-back Daddy Stogies in Major League Baseball today. We like the Mets over Toronto, Detroit over KC. So take those bad boys to the desert and Jake's Cigar Bar and smoke them. But it's time for our College of Football Handicapping Knowledge. College Football Saturday. A couple weeks ago, we went over the best coaches in college football against the points spread out in the desert. And if you want to hear that one, go to our website, wlxg.com, and check it out. Spoiler alert. It's not Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney; those are not the best. They're good, but they're not the best. The best ones are on that show. But today, we look at the worst coaches in college football that steal your hard-earned money money week after week. So we're thinking about teams that are usually overrated, teams that fail to live up to expectations, and teams that just flat out stink for long periods of time. We've got two guys. When you think overrated and teams that don't live up to expectations, you think USC. You got it, Clay Helton. He's twenty-seven and thirty-eight against the spread. That's 41.5% return on investment, minus 18.3%. Just think, a few years ago, USC had both Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron as their head coaches. They let them go, and now Clay Helton has coached 67 games at USC. Yeah, I think they'd reconsider right now. And who is this guy? Here's a name familiar to the Big Blue Nation. Doug Martin. Who is Doug Martin? Where have I heard that name before? No, not the former Tampa Bay running back. It was called the field hamster or something like that. Some kind of hamster of some sort for about 8, 10 years ago. Doug Martin played football in Kentucky for both Fran Kersey and Jerry Claiborne back in the early 80s. I'm sure he probably still has some connections here in central Kentucky to this day, and I apologize in advance. Remember, this is subjective. This is not subjective. It's objective. But sheesh, how does a coach go 52 and 117 at two different schools? Not to mention be the absolute worst coach in America covering points, covering point spreads and still keep cashing a, ta- a paycheck every week. He may stink as a coach, but either he has he's the best butt kisser in the history of the world or he has blackmail, blackmail material on people at New Mexico State. Why are we talking about Doug Martin at New Mexico State other than the fact he's the worst coach in America covering point spreads? Oh, yeah. New Mexico State, his team, just happens to come to Lexington to play on November 20th this season. Right between Kentucky's games against Vandy and Louisville. Oh, by the way, New Mexico State's win total projected for the season, one and a half, the lowest total out in the desert. So there you have it. Clay Helton of USC and Doug Martin of New Mexico State, who travels here to Lexington in November. Those are the worst two coaches in college football against the spread. By the way, that line, Kentucky-New Mexico State, probably will be in the 30s. So be prepared to lay a lot of wood in that one, if you know what I mean. And that's the bottom line on the worst coaches in college football that you do not want to go with. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, we continue our one-year anniversary celebration with the first guest we ever had on the show, John Clay of the Lexington Herald-Leader. He will join us. That's next right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. We hope this isn't the final countdown for our show. I'm not sure what uh, what that was inside information. But speaking of our one-year anniversary special, our next guest was the very first guest we had on this show over a year ago now, and it's only fitting that he comes back on this show a year later. And I know that in his heart he deeply regrets helping us get this show. He's our good friend for the Lexington Herald leader, John Clay. John, how are you this morning, my friend?
1: I am doing, I'm doing great, Brad, and congratulations on, uh, one year. I I check with my friends in the desert and they say this is the biggest upset since Georgetown Villanova in 85 championship game at Rup Arena that you made it one year, but congratulations.
0: Already starting with the cheap shots, are we? Okay, well, here we go, John Clay. Now, let's talk SEC football. Thank you for that, sir. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> trying to get in, trying to get in a preemptive strike. Yes, exactly. Because yeah, well, I know
1: what's coming. I, I can only guess what's coming.
0: Well, it's coming right now. SEC media days. Now, I need to know. Yeah. Were you involved in them and were you the one guy that picked Kentucky to win the SEC? <laughs>
1: I was not. I was not there this year. No, Josh Moore from the Arrow Leader. You can follow him on Josh Moore on Twitter at Josh Moore HL. He was there. Are you capable, of uh, Becca? I uh, monitor I monitored them from afar. Uh, I was not there, so I was not the one person who voted for uh, uh, Kentucky uh, to. Um, we had one person vote for him to win the whole thing. Is that right? Or just yes. win the division?
0: The entire conference. They had one vote. Oh, had okay. Two votes for the division. No. One vote for the conference. And I thought, okay. well, that's John. That's got John Clay written all over it.
1: <laughs> no, that was not me. I know you, you accuse me of being a homer, but no, that's not me. That was not me.
0: Okay, let's talk UK football before we get into this other SEC stuff. We talked okay. very briefly last week at the golf tournament. You were too busy, you know, stealing food from the <laughs> media room there. I was trying to get out of there, but we right. we said that UK seven wins out in the desert for the season. Now, everybody who's come on this show, John Clay, has said over seven wins, and I feel like you're going to say that as well—over or under seven wins for Kentucky football this year.
1: Yeah, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm picking them to go eight and four. Uh, I think they've got. I mean, that's not a huge stretch to say they are get one more win than what the desert says, but I, I'm picking them to go eight and four.
0: So I look at some of these games. I look at Missouri at South yep. Carolina. Miss yeah. at Mississippi State. That's especially one that sticks yeah. out, and even the Louisville right. game. People are dismissing Louisville. Then why does the desert say that's only a one point spread? If that's such a given for Kentucky, you're telling me then all these games where the line is going to be three or four points or less that Kentucky's going to sweep the table in all those.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if I say <laughs> if I say eight and four, you know, uh, to be the schedule. You know, divides up, and I wrote about this a little, uh, a little earlier that the schedule divides up into three sections. You've got a manageable section starting off, but you're right. The Missouri game is obviously a huge game. The second game of the season, uh, they, uh, Mark Stoops pretty much dominated Missouri until last year. That was a bad loss out of Columbia. Kentucky's offense didn't show up as it didn't show up in several games last year. Uh, the reason why Eddie Grant is no longer the offensive coordinator. Uh, then after that first, stretch you get into the three really tough games with Florida LSU and Georgia back-to-back then as you mentioned the Mississippi State game at Mississippi State October 3rd that's going to be a huge game I think I think Kentucky can win that game I'm not sold on Mike Leach at Mississippi State we'll see how he does uh you know he'll have more of a system in but I'm not sold that that uh, that he'll be a successful coach in the SEC we'll see what happens
0: ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. The bottom line with Brad Taylor and our guest John Clay from the Lexington Herald Leader. If I see there is another place out in the desert, and you could bet just conference wins, and the number for Kentucky there is four and a half. Are you telling me that I should go over or under four and a half conference wins for Kentucky this year?
1: Well, I mean, to pick, uh you know picking them eight and four. I'm picking them to win the four non-conference until four and four in the league. So, okay. I would say that they're right on with the four. Uh, that would be, you know, if they get some breaks, I think they could win five. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, I, like I said, I think those three, Florida LSU and Georgia, are going to be really tough. Um, yeah, but, you get a lot of injuries. They've already got a significant injury, I think, in losing Keaton Upshaw, the tight end. Um, because I think Upshaw was going to be a big part of Liam Cohen's offense. They're a little, they're fortunate in that Justin Rigg is coming back to have one of those super senior seasons <clears> that he gets through the NCAA because of COVID last year. Uh, but I think lose, I thought Upshaw had a really, a chance to really thrive and maybe even have a breakout year in Cohen's offense. Uh, so that hurts. So injuries are always a big deal with Kentucky, but yeah, I would say four and four is the, is the, you know, is the popular pick. And there's a reason why your friends in the desert have that as the over under. Well, it- yeah, you're right.
0: But here, my thing is, you're asking a team to win five conference games, and how many times have they done that since 1977? I think once or something like that. That's that's right. a little, and you got a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator. Well, you're asking a lot there. But I think my question is the quarterback situation. We had Phil yeah. Steele on last week. I know you were too busy, you know, feeding your face out at the golf tournament. But <laughs> Phil Steele was on our show last week, and he says Will Levis, if healthy. We'll start all 12 games for Kentucky this season. Are you on board with that, John Clay?
1: I think he's probably the favorite to come in and be the quarterback. I mean, I think there's a reason why he transferred. I don't think he transferred from Penn State here to sit the bench. Uh, he's got a strong arm. It's going kind to of be interesting to see because Penn State, they didn't really let him use his arm. They used him more as a running quarterback. We'll see what happens. What I hear is that Joey Gay would look better in spring practice than maybe they thought. Uh, and I think Bo Allen is obviously, obviously still in the mix. Uh, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to contradict Phil Steele, but I think I, I think my prediction would be right now, without having seen him, is that Will Levis will be the starter on game one. And uh, if things go well and if he doesn't get hurt, yeah, he could start all 12 games. But I do think, and I think I said this last week, quarterback, quarterback's going to be the big deal. I think a lot – what. How they uh, the success and failure? Of this team's going to rest a lot on the quarterback because of Cohen's offense. And I think you know, obviously, quarterback is an important position. But when you got somebody when you got a, um, somebody coming in as a transfer trying to put in a new offense, I think the quarterback is going to be a big deal for this team this year.
0: It's okay to contradict Phil Steele. He picked every, every team we talked about in the SEC, he went over the win total. So it's like <laughs> hey, are you really that's mathematically impossible, Phil Steele. Except Alabama. He took Alabama under eleven and a half, meaning they're going eleven and one. So yeah. But yeah, you mentioned the uh the quarterbacks, if Levis does start, is any of these other no. kids going to transfer?
1: Well, everybody's gonna transfer. Haven't you heard? Everybody's gonna transfer. Apparently portal. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, sure. That's going to be. I mean, that's going to be the way of the world. I'm not predicting they're going to do it, but would you be surprised? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll see how it plays out. Like I said, Levis is kind of a mystery because he, you, know, you see these YouTube videos of him. You know, really ripping the ball. He can really spin it, but at Penn State, they only used him. You know, him mainly as a runner. I go back to uh, what Greg Cosell, the NFL Films guy, says. You know, you can buy, you can find out what the coaches think about a player and how they use a player. So, you know, maybe Levis is not that accurate. We'll see uh, how it plays out. But it, back to your original question about transfers. Oh yeah, we're going to see all kinds of transfers. That's just going to be a way of the world moving forward. And could Kentucky quarterbacks transfer? We'll see how it plays out. But sure, that's definitely a possibility.
0: ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, along with John Clay of the Lexington Herald-Leader. Okay, let's say you and I are sitting out in the desert, John Clay. You were sitting up there. We're looking up at the board right now. I know you've had a rough night. You're probably uh, rallying just to get up (laughs) then in the morning. But we see Kentucky, twenty nine and a half point favorite over Louisiana Monroe in the first game. Who am I supposed to put my hard-earned money on in that game?
1: Well, I think you've got to put it on Kentucky. Louisiana Monroe didn't win a game last year. They got I say a new coach. He's an old coach in uh, Terry Bowden. We'll see how they'll, you know, I, I think, I would think you would take Kentucky. Kentucky's much more a proven commodity. They're playing at home. I would pick Kentucky, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in the desert right now. I'm sitting here in Lexington. We'll see. Well, we need
0: uh, you in the desert uh, for a weekend out, that would be a good place to get you. But uh, Phil Steele actually agreed with you, John Clay. Of course, everybody, yeah, he said take Kentucky. (laughs) He had the line 35, so he says Kentucky's going to win by 35. But everybody who's come on this show has said Kentucky's going to win more than seven games. Why doesn't the line change out in the desert then if everybody around here is so sure that Kentucky's going to win more than
1: seven games? How come the line doesn't change to reflect it? I, are you saying they're not listening to us? Is that what you're saying? I, that they, I, our, I, our, word, our word doesn't mean anything to the what we think doesn't mean anything to your friends in the desert?
0: I think you might be a little biased around here. Not No offense to you, of course, John Clay, because I know you're very unbiased. <laughs> but I'm just saying... I mean, if everybody that comes on this show over, 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 I've ne- I haven't i have heard one person other than myself say under six, <laughs> seven wins for Kentucky this year. That's just why, you know, why why is it the line change if everybody's in such total agreement that this line, that's all I'm saying. But let's talk about big picture stuff. Let's talk about the SEC okay. the whole. Texas, Oklahoma, they probably yep. should have been here 10 years ago. They're coming to the SEC yeah. apparently next year now. What does this do? It, who's coming to the east? Who's moving? Shouldn't Missouri go to the west and Auburn Alabama come to the east? What is your thoughts on this whole thing, John Clay?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're going to see Auburn and Alabama come to the east. I think you'll see Missouri go to the west. Uh, I mean, when you look at geographically, that makes the most sense. I think there may be some pushback. Maybe some, uh, some people will want to go just to a 16-team league with no divisions and you have sort of pod scheduling, which is kind of the way they do it in basketball right now. But I think they want to have that championship game and have a true championship game, uh, between East and West. What I think is going to be interesting to see is, you know, you got to go to nine. Don't you have to go to a nine game? Yes. Schedule. I don't yeah. see how you can stick with an eight game. If you do an eight game, you're only playing one team in the other div other division. I, I don't see that. What I'd like to see them do is go to have uh, have the two divisions, eight teams in each division. You play everybody in your division once. You play two teams in the other division, but no more of this permanent uh, you know opponent in the other division. Play two teams from the West, rotate them around, so that by the end of the four years, <clears throat> you're. You know, your players have played at least once against every team in the league. I think that's the way it should be. And none of this, you know, well, Kentucky won't play Texas until, you know, 2040 or something like that. you know, if you're going to get Texas and Oklahoma in the league, you want to give your fans a chance to see them play against those teams. So, hopefully, you know, hopefully that's what they'll end up doing.
0: ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and John Clay from the Herald-Leader. If you're Oklahoma – other than yeah. money, when you want to stay in the Big Twelve, because you're all every year, you're right there for the college football playoff. Everybody's got them in the college football playoff this year. They're going to go eleven and 12 and one, going to be right there in the playoff. You go to the SEC; those days are all long gone. Why, are, if you're Oklahoma, why would
1: you want to ruin that? Other than yeah, money. But, but, well, but yeah, other than money. I mean, money is the be-all end-all in this whole thing. I mean, the SEC and the fiscal year 2020 their teams has got their schools got 45 million dollars the big 12 got 40 million dollars you take five million every year plus the sec gave each one of their schools 23 million dollars to make up for the money that they lost in COVID. plus you've got starting in 2024 uh the sec has the lucrative maybe the most lucrative co- uh, media rights contract in the history of college athletics with ESPN. And I mean, Oklahoma wants to get in on that money. And the SEC, I'm sure, thinks with Texas and Oklahoma, especially with Texas, but also with Oklahoma, they got a huge football following, that they're going to make even more money. So the rest of that stuff, that doesn't matter. What matters, they've proven it time and time again, is, is money. Somebody said, well, would Oklahoma really leave Oklahoma State behind? It? Of course they'd leave Oklahoma State behind. <clears throat> they wouldn't worry one minute about Oklahoma State. And it's all about money. It has been for a long time, and you know, as far as the football playoff, there's a good chance you might see once the 12 team football playoff gets here, there might be four SEC teams among those 12 teams. You know, who knows? So, but it's all about money. I mean, we we know that by now, and that's what that's what this is all about.
0: A spirited John Clay giving us a life lesson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Follow the money <laughs> in life, and will it'll, it'll <laughs> tell you all the answers to all the questions you have. So there we go. Is there if you talk about four conferences of sixteen teams? Last time I yep. checked, there the Power Fives have sixty five teams total, and then there's Notre Dame sitting out there. Does anybody get left right.
1: out? Oh yeah, there's going to be some teams that get left out. The interesting thing to be, of course, is going to be what's the Big Twelve going to do? Is it going to dissolve and our teams gonna, and leagues going to come in and pick off those schools? If that happens, I could see schools like Kansas State and Iowa State getting left out in the cold. Uh, I could see the big, you know, I could see some of these leagues. For example, the ACC. Let's say the ACC says, okay, we got to go to 16 teams. We'll take West Virginia, since West Virginia is a good geographic fit, but none of those other schools are a good geographic fit. And who's sitting down there in Florida? They're in Orlando, UCF. They already have a really good football program. They're there in Orlando, a big city, good, big footprint. Then you'd have UCF, Florida State. And Miami and the ACC, I could see them saying, you know, sorry, Kansas, sorry, Kansas State, you're too far out there. I was not going to let Iowa State come into the league. I could see them taking UCF. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of those things happen. And what's going to happen with the Pac-12? You know, are they going to add two more teams? But I think we're headed, that train is barreling down the track towards four super conferences of 16 teams, and there's no doubt some are going to get left out.
0: ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and John Clay of the Herald Leader, who's on fire today. All right, let's talk about something that'll get everybody around here excited. The Reds buy or sell. Should the Reds buy or sell with this trade deadline coming up this week.
1: They they should sell because I don't think any way they're going to make the playoff. Not with, playoffs not with that bullpen. And I'm not for giving away uh, you know some of their top prospects uh, just to you know because they have a chance maybe. Of getting into the playoffs, I don't see any way to get in the playoffs. Especially with when you look a at that bullpen, and B, you look at the National League West where you got the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. I think all three of those teams are going to make the playoffs. So if I'm the Reds, I don't know that I would be real active. Uh, but if I got a you know deal where I could get some good prospects for you know for somebody, that's what I you know that's what I would do. Uh, I definitely would not be in the buy mode.
0: Nick Castellanos gone. Or does he
1: stick around? I think he'll stick around because I think Castellini is big on fans identifying with players. I mean, I've heard in the past, like one of the they, they waited too long to uh, trade uh, Araldis Chapman, and one of the reasons was because Castellini didn't want to do it because he thought fans came to the game to see Chapman pitch. And not only that, they would stay for the whole game uh, and wait for Chapman to come in. So I think, I mean, Castellanos has had such a great year, he's a good personality. I think I think they'll back up the truck. I think Castellini will put – I don't think he's going to pay for a lot of guys, but I think he will pay to keep Castellanos there.
0: Oh, he's – I think you're wrong on this one. I think Castellanos <laughs> – either he gets traded next week, which he probably should be, or he walks at the end of the year because he's put up numbers this year to earn a bigger contract because he could walk at the end of any season that on this contract that he's got. So, well, yeah.
1: But If they're well, if they if they're for sure that he's going to walk, then they should trade him. Yes, definitely. If on. he's not going to be back next year. Because that's been their problem in the past. They've held on to these guys too long. And, you know, I heard, Casti- I heard Castellini on a podcast saying, what, somebody asked him about Tampa Bay and their success. He said, well, Tampa Bay doesn't really care about the fans because they don't have that many fans and they don't identify with the players. So they can trade a good player and, you know, the fans are not going to get upset about it. Uh, so I, that's what makes me think, you know, with the uh, – with Cassiano that he'll do everything that he can to try to keep him. Yeah, but you're—I mean, you may—you probably—you probably will end up being right. But I—I I think they're going to make a concerted effort to try to keep him. ESPN
0: Radio thirteen hundred ninety-two point five. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, along with John Clay, the Herald Leader. Last question: one paragraph or less. <laughs> UK basketball for the coming season: should the Big Blue Nation finally be excited again, or are we going to be reverting back to last year?
1: Oh no, they'll they'll be better than last year. Uh, They'll be excited. I'm not ready to say they're a Final Four team. We'll see how this team meshes together, but they should be, I think they definitely should be excited about this team. I think, uh, you know, I think Cal did a good job of getting guys to fit specific spots. Obviously, to me, point guard's going to be huge. I'm not the biggest severe Wheeler fan. I think he's got a chance to be a good player. He turned it over too much from, uh, for my taste, at Georgia, we'll see how Tata out Washington is. To be the guy to watch is Kellen Grady. I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good player. It'll be interesting to see what he does in this, uh, you know, in this system with uh, good players around him. But uh, yeah, I think Kentucky basketball fans should definitely be excited about this team.
0: If you're an AP voter, where do you put them preseason uh, poll?
1: I put them right around ten to twelve, somewhere in that you know na- neighborhood. I mean, there's a lot of teams that got better who were good teams anyway, who got better by guys coming back from the draft. You look at UCLA, or you look at the teams with, the, you know, adding transfers. You know, talk about Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, Chris Beard is a hell of a coach, and hes I think he could build something really powerful at Texas. I think they're a team to watch for next year and definitely a team to watch in the future of the SEC. And you look at what Arkansas is doing. I mean, Musselman's done a heck of a job. He's bringing in more transfers. He's recruiting well. People talk about football. He's going to be pretty tough in basketball, too, going forward with these uh, teams being added to the mix.
0: He's John Clay. He's our good friend, and we're very grateful to his kindness, especially in the last year. John, tell us where we can find you on social media and your uh, column.
1: You can find my column on Kentucky.com or in the print edition of the Arrow Leader. You can follow me on Twitter at John JohnClayAvi, uh, and Brett, Congratulations, sincerely, congratulations on uh, a year in the books, and and the hope is there'll be many more.
0: Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate that and all you've done. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, buddy. That's John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio, and we'll let you know what we learned on today's show. That's next right here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thanks so much for joining us on uh, this Saturday morning. We want to thank John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader. Uh, Always a good guy and a good friend to us, and uh, we appreciate his time as always. Don't forget, at 640 today, Cardinals and Reds from Great America Ballpark. Reds a big minus 180 favorite in that one. Uh, Like they say on The Price is Right, that's too much. I can't delay the 180 with the Reds against anybody, much less the Cardinals. The Cardinals have the value in this one, so uh, buyer beware. What did we learn on today's show? Well, we learned the uh, the taste buds, the uh, show that's uh, on opposite us on Saturday morning on Kiss. Uh, yeah, they brought in donuts for us today for our first year anniversary. That was very nice of them. Make sure to follow them on Twitter. I think it's at ky taste buds. So yeah, make sure to follow them. Kind people and uh, very good people. We're very grateful to them. We also learned Clay Helton and Doug Martin. Uh, the worst coaches in college football, I guess, the spread. Might want to go against it this year. And we also learned that uh, John Clay, uh, we think he might have lied to us. We think he was the person. We still think he was the person that voted for Kentucky to win the SEC in football this year. Nothing you can tell us will uh, make us change our minds. So he'll have to live with that. But thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, make sure you can follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. And you can uh, email the show anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. We'll be back, good Lord willing, tomorrow at 9 a.m. So uh, until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.